Welcome to the Dennis and Friends podcast, a place where my friends and I talk about whatever we want to talk about, whatever interests us, what's going on in life and around the world. My name is Dennis. I host this podcast on very short notice. This is episode number eight, um, emergency style, because the last few days have been absolutely nuts. But today especially has been nuts in the world of NBA. The trade deadline happened today and boy, all this, so much has happened. We're going to talk about it all right now because we just have to. We got to react to everything or as much as we can. And with me tonight, a few hours after the deadline is passed, I've got two of my great friends here with me. One of them is a guy that I've known for almost five years now. We met in college, um, lived on the same hall our freshman year. It's one of the coolest dudes I know. He's very smart. He's a super dope dancer. It's my guy, the infamous JT, otherwise known as Jerry, otherwise known as his real name. Jeremiah Taylor is here with us today. What's up, bro? Yo, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to get into it. Yes, sir. And we also have another friend who I've known for double the amount of time that I've known JT, probably more like 11 years. We met in middle school, seventh grade, and choir, uh, went to middle and high school and college together. We were roommates our freshman year at ACU. He lives 10 minutes away from me currently. He's a workout guru. He's out in these streets. He's not as good as 2K as he thinks he is. He can't <laughs> sing, though. Uh, and he's super joyful all the time. If you know him, you love him. It's the iconic Jordan Joe in the house as well. What's up, boy? Hey, nothing much, y'all. Nothing much. We out here and we reacting to everything, man. I'm ready to get straight into it, bro. Ready to get straight into it. Well, you said it. Let's get straight into it. We're going to go talk about most of these trades, not all of them because some that are just like irrelevant, but we're going to fit in as many as we can. We'll be brief on some of these non-big ones, but as we get uh, towards the end of the episode, we will talk about the really big ones, especially the two big ones that happened today and then the two big ones that happened I think yesterday or Tuesday, whenever it came out. So we'll go through all that. So let's start small. I want to start with one of uh, JT's boys. Um, I'm talking about Thad Young. Okay, so he got traded to... He was a Spur. Now he's a Raptor. Him and Drew Eubanks, who just got waived in a 2022 second-round pick from the Spurs via the Pistons, are going to Toronto in exchange for... Goran Dragic, who's about to get bought out, from what I understand, uh, first oh, really? round pick this year that's uh, lottery protected. Thoughts on this one, boys? Keep it brief. Having watched that Dagic Johnson, as we used to call him out in Chicago, <laughs> uh, whatever team he lands with is going to get a good veteran who knows how to be professional, knows how to play uh, the game all around very well. Um, he's not a Huge score, but he does. He plays the game the right way, and he can teach the young guys how to play it the right way and help mm-hmm. them develop. So whatever team gets him is getting a gym. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely agree with that one, guys. Uh, Thad Young's never really been a huge name out in the books, but he's always been uber professional. He's never come up in any locker room problems, any drama at all. So whatever team is going to get that young is going to get a player who's going to be a good contributor, good contributor, and he's going to be professional. Just give to the youth, man. Give to the youth. I think it's a good move for both sides um, to see the Spurs get another first-round pick um, after getting a couple from the Bulls and trying to trade in the summer is really good. Um, Thad Young is going to be a good presence for the Raptors. He can still ball. It's not like he's like old and just like hanging out at the end of the bench. Like boy can ball. Uh, for That's reference. True. 
I did not mention this earlier, listeners, but just for clarification, JT is a diehard Bulls fan, and Jordan and okay. I are obviously Mavs fans because of oh, Fort Worth. So, Mavs fans for life. So, that Young can hoop, bro. So, it, I think it's a good pickup for the Raptors um, to get him to have another veteran presence for a pretty decently young team. It's not like super young, but they had, I mean, they, obviously, their two best players have a ring, but at the same time, more experience helps and he'll be able to to be a good wing presence especially because they're going to make the playoffs i think he'll be a good um pickup for them and he should be able to provide um some depth for them especially towards the end of the year so i think it's a it's a good trade moving on this was a trade that got lost in the shuffle in between the two big ones that happened today uh montres harrell just oh, to be on the move uh he is going to the hornets in exchange for Ish Smith and Vernon Carey Jr. Thoughts on this one? Oh, let me go first. Man. Man, that's a big one, man. That's a super big one because adding Montrez Harrell to the Hornets, the Hornets are a young and upcoming team, guys. We've got LaMelo Ball. We've got Miles Bridges. We've got P.J. Washington, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. Obviously, he's always hurt. You add a guy like Montrez Harrell to that team. Montrez is good for about 18 and 10, guys. And he adds a tough guy element to your squad. I like the trade for the Hornets. I think Montrez is going to add a lot of value to that squad, man. Super, super excited to see how he affects the team. That's, um, you know, I hadn't really thought about that because in my opinion, looking at how the Hornets had been playing, it, it was kind of like, why would you mess up that chemistry? Why would you start, you know, tinkering with the locker room? Right. But the only issue that I have is that um, watching Montrez and seeing the way that he played for the Clippers and then seeing the way the Lakers experiment failed, the Wizards was kind of, eh, I'm, I'm just not completely sold on um, his positional play because they try to play him as a big man. And I just don't know if he can handle that in the NBA. Yeah. Um, now, if, if you move him down, and like you said, he comes in in little spurts and gives you energy and tough guy uh, mentality off the bench, that's huge. But I, I don't know. I'm just not completely sold. Um, and so that that's my only concern with the trade is just uh, messing with that uh, chemistry because I know LaMelo had talked about Ish and his uh, veteran leadership and all of that types of stuff in terms of playing the same position and teaching him the ropes and all that. but. I don't know. I think that's one we'll just have to watch and see, um, see if he can get all the way back into really, really top shape and handle those, uh, handle those guys that are coming for him. Yeah. I think, I don't know if I love it because of all the things you just said, JT, it feels like Ish Smith is just always traded every single year and he's back on the wizards again, which he was at some point, if I remember correctly, this is his second stint. So I, I don't know. I feel very confused um, by it. Obviously, in a trade that we'll bring up later, I wish he was in an, in that trade as opposed to this one, but we'll talk yeah. about that um, yeah. later. So, I mean, it's not a bad pickup for Charlotte, theoretically, um, yeah. but we'll yeah. see what happens if he even gets any playing time. Because to be fair, they're kind of a an interesting team with their roster construction and the guys who mm-hmm. play and don't play. And Borrego, their head coach, is uh, he's kind of weird sometimes with his rotations <laughs> and decision making. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. But it's not my favorite trade, obviously, of the whole deadline. But it's it could be something, like you said. We'll wait and see. 
We'll see, next, man. Next one uh, is Derek White going from the Spurs to Boston in exchange for the corpse of Josh Richardson, Romeo <laughs> Langford, and another first-round pick that's top four protected. Look at the Spurs getting all these first-round picks. That's pretty good for them. I'll go first. I think that's a good move. Derek White's a good player, um, not just because he comes from the Spurs. He's a good player. He had a lot of time to get good minutes because Pop just had to throw him out there and make him get minutes and make him be decent. So I think this is a good move. Obviously, I have feelings about Jay Rich because he stunk the bed for us last year when he was on the Mavs and he was so overrated and did not do anything good, especially in the playoffs. Romeo Langford's an interesting prospect. He's still pretty young. So I think he fits that Spurs, you know, culture, organizational fit. I think Pop, for however long he's still there, because obviously Pop's not going to be there forever. I think Mm -hmm. that's a good... Um, fit for him for his development to accelerate even more not to say that it was bad but it's kind of been slow for him he started to come on a lot more uh, late end of last year and uh, first part of this year so I think it's a it's a decent trade for both sides I don't know if Pop's gonna love Jay Rich but I'm sure they're happy that they got um, another first round pick but I think the Celtics got a really solid guy um, that will be good for their bench he'll produce more than Romeo um, did and definitely more than Jay Rich. So, yeah, man, I, I definitely agree with you on that. I honestly think Boston won this trade because to me, the only value I really see out of this trade for the Spurs is that first round pick. Because as we all know, Jay Rich is kind of, you know, he's on the downswing and Romeo's, he's just a young guy, man. He didn't get much PT or much run in Boston. So, you know, he doesn't really have much experience. But Derek White is an established, solid rotation player who's been obviously coached under Popovich. And so the Celtics needed to add something. They got a solid player in Derek White. So I think that they had a great move with that trade. Man. Yeah, uh, I like this trade a lot um, for one specific reason. I think the Celtics are really trying to show JT and Jalen Brown. Uh, we're trying to put things around y'all. But <laughs> at the same time, it's it's getting to the critical juncture to where we need a championship or we're going to blow all of this up. And so, cause I know there's been talks about trading either. Well, I think it was mainly surrounding Jalen Brown, but you know, we, as we'll talk about later, we just saw it in Portland, but if, if it doesn't come to fruition soon enough, we're going to have to blow it up. So I think adding Derek white gives them another dynamic score from the three point line. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it kind of nudges them, you know, like we're, we're making these moves, but don't, don't make a mistake about it. You could be next. So I think it, uh, like you were saying, like both of y'all have just said, it's a good move for both sides. Cause the Spurs get another long, um, defensive minded guard, even though he may be on the downside, he's, he's a long defensive guard to slide in there, uh, beside DeJounte Murray. But, yeah. um, I think it's, it's more so for the Celtics on this one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I Speaking agree. of the Celtics, they also traded, <laughs> they traded Dennis Schroeder away. <laughs> man, what a bum for him not taking that extension when oh, he got it offered, man. man. Wow. Oh, I mean, oh boy. Man. Yeah, not great. great. So let me explain the trade. So it's Schroeder, Bruno Fernando, and <laughs> the corpse of Ennis Cantor Freedom 
to the Rockets <laughs> for Daniel Tice, who is going back to Boston, where he should have never left to begin with. Thoughts? Uh, honestly, <laughs> in my opinion, this trade was just kind of... I, I don't even know what to think about this trade. It was just kind of random. Um, yeah. Like, Relevant. why are you sending people to get Daniel Tice back? I I don't know. I don't know. Um, and that's not to say Daniel Tice is a bad player. He was he played really well in Chicago. Um, he, he has some really good game to him. But I just, in, in all honesty, I just feel bad for Dennis Schroeder, man. He really fumbled the bag. Fumbled the bag. It's continuing to haunt him for the rest of his career, maybe. I really don't see them keeping him in Houston, honestly, with the type of guard talent that they have because they want to develop that. So unless they use him as like an on-court coach or something to kind of develop those young guys down there, I I just don't see it working out. Yeah, guys, uh, just to let you know, Ennis Cantor Freedom, I'm pretty sure he got waved earlier by Houston. Yes, he did. He did. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> Bum. Oh, kind of not even relevant, to, to say the least, to be honest. And uh, about Dennis Schroeder, man, yeah. arrogance has a price to pay, man. And, you know, he was arrogant for sure, not accepting his uh, extension. They were offering him a lot of money. He bet on himself for more and then stunk, stunk up the joint, man. Like, I'm not going to lie. If you're going to bet on yourself, you better deliver. And he did not deliver and lost a lot of money. So like you said, him going to the Rockets, man, there is already guard talent down there. They've got Jalen Green. They've got, um, what's his name? Kevin uh, Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr. down there as well. As you can see, John Wall is not even playing up there. He's, I don't even know what he's doing they're developing that guard talent so i really don't know what role Schroeder is going to play down there guys they got josh christopher too who's a pretty good upcoming player in in the guard position Mm -hmm. as well so yeah man i don't know this trade is just kind of yeah this is a goofy trade uh i don't know there's not a winner there's not a loser that's kind of how i feel it's just kind of it's just one of those trades that it just like happened (laughs) yeah I think it was just Brad Stevens wanted to be like, hey, guys, I made trades. Don't get mad at me for not being a bad GM. I don't know. That's kind of what I think at this point. Literally. <laughs> and I, and I, think it, I think it plays into um, like what I was saying a second ago about the Derek White trade, just showing those two stars, hey, we're making moves. They may not be great moves, yeah. but moves nonetheless. Because to me, to, to, to look at it, man, like, You've got the Celtics, and, and to be honest, the Celtics are nowhere near contention, guys. So, like, we can think about we're making moves, but are we making moves to put ourselves in contention? Not really, because we, we we are not in contention yet. Like, for sure not. Yeah. By the way, quick aside, I think Luca is three points away from a fitty burger. So I will, I will keep my eyes peeled on that as I don't have Sorry. access to watch the game, but I will look at it on Twitter. That's enough of the goofy trades. These next few trades are not like huge, huge, but they're they have like implications on uh, some playoff teams and certain situations and changes of scenery and stuff. So let's talk about Karis Levert. To me, is a very interesting player. I like him a lot. He is. He was one of the first trades uh, in this whole deadline, like period. He's going to Cleveland to join the Cavs. Him and a second round pick this year for Ricky Rubio's contract um, because he's hurt towards ACL. Uh, A first round pick this year 
that's lottery protected, but turns into two seconds if it's not conveyed, a second round pick this year, and then a second round pick in 2027. Thoughts? Guys, 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 this is big. The Cavs have gone win now mode full on, guys. The Cavs are tough. I've never seen the Cavs good without LeBron James on their team. And guys, they are spectacular right now. You're telling me we've got Darius Garland, who has turned himself into an elite point guard, a prolific shooter and scorer who knows when and how to pass the ball. That's the one thing Sexton lacks. But Garland does a spectacular job at it. We've got young talent in Evan Mobley. We've got Kevin Love playing well. We've got Jared Allen defending and protecting the paint and getting rebounds. And you're telling me we're going to add Karis LeVert, a dynamic scorer who can go get you 20 points, adding that to a team that already has solid defense, shooters, and scorers. Man, I'm excited for the Cavs, guys. I'm excited because for as long as I can remember, they have sucked without LeBron James, and now they're they're making something happen. Like this is a great move for them, man. It's a great move. Facts. I I second all of that. Um, it seems like Kevin Love has been born again because of all these young fellows coming in and hooping <laughs> at a high high level. Yeah, and he's and, not being a little b-word about it to be fair <laughs> about his role he's like oh fine i'll accept my role coming off the bench and then i'll drop 20 from there anyway continue you're right no you're right though it, and it's like what jordan was saying uh you can't be too arrogant you got to accept where you are at that point in your career and play what you can play and when you do that it translates to dubs wins <laughs> and um adding karis levert into that will give another older uh, an older guy who's not you know, on that downside, he, he's just yeah. older. And so he knows how to play the game at a different mm-hmm. level. And you add that into all of these young fellows who are already hooping at a high level, mm-hmm. man, that that's going to be really, really cool to see. And like Jordan said, I have not seen a good Cleveland team without LeBron James. Yeah, so absolutely. <laughs> I was hearing a stat that the Cavs are like 29th in uh, like – stats involving driving to the rim like mm-hmm. the like percentage wise um uh, as far as their shots and that boy can drive he can get to the hoop he can get to the rim Thanks. very very yes. easy so that fits a need for them in so many ways and it's been honestly kind of cool to see the Cavs like their rise this year i went to go see them when they came to dallas in november and they beat the snot out of the mass. And I was like, what is going on? This does not make sense. Like, this team is not good. They got Lori Markinen for crying out loud. It's <laughs> one of JT's boys. Man. But they, man, they've been awesome. Like, I They're love perfect. Garland. I Dude. love Mobley. Obviously, I love Jared Allen. Uh, yeah. I think Lavert's going to fit right in with them. They've got a, a pretty decent bench with Osman and Love and Okoro. And uh, a couple other guys that have um, kind of come up this year. So they're not to be played with. Their defense is legit, legit. And I'm very excited to see how they finish the year out. And let's see how deep they go in the playoffs, because I think they're a sleeper to make it two rounds deep for sure. Yeah, me too. I think. I well, think that- well uh, hopefully they don't go farther than the Bulls. Um, sure. But that's not the here nor there. But... Uh, <laughs> No, I think in these next company, these next few years, it'll be interesting to see how they develop together because that's also really important that all of these guys have come in and this is the only team that they've known. 
So they're growing up together. They're maturing together. And it will also be interesting to see what Colin Sexton's role will be, because I know <laughs> there is a little bit of controversy about him and his play style. Same yeah. way, kind of similar to Kobe, you know, in the shoot a lot, ball, hog, quote unquote, type players. But right. um, it's either way, it's still a great, great acquisition. Great, Man. great job. I'm not going to lie. I, I think um, you've seen Darius Garland have a lot of success um, in Cleveland because he, he differs from Colin Sexton just by this much. He's just a better point guard and playmaker. He knows when to pass the ball and he plays highly, highly efficient basketball with the shots that he does take. When you have Sexton come back, I feel like you can have him come back and add a lot of value. But what you're going to see is you're going to see him play a role like Kyrie did alongside LeBron James. Hey, you're a bucket getter. Go get us a bucket. Let Garland control and run the offense and facilitate. You know, I think he could have a really good role coming back, though. Yeah, I agree. Also, Rondo going there earlier this year was a good pickup for them. Yes, I also Rondo. think this trade, yes, uh, our boy, Trey's boy. I also think this spells the end for Sexton in Cleveland. I just don't think he comes back with all so? the moves that they made. And I mean, he's going to demand money, you know? True. Um, I mean, go get your money. I don't know if he's like worth like twenty million a year just because of the injury and some of the production that he's had. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, he's going to want that, and I just don't think the Cavs are one going to be willing to pay that. And two, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they would rather just pay that off with Garland. You know what I mean? So Thanks. We'll see what happens on that front. Uh, I don't know if Luca's gotten fifty yet, but I've got the game on now, so we'll see what happens speaking of Luca they're playing the Clippers tonight and I want to talk about the Clippers because they made a very interesting move um late last week that honestly kind of made me mad because they definitely helps them in the short and long term so what they did is that they got Rocco Robert Covington and Norm Powell from the Blazers in exchange for the corpse of Eric Bledsoe Keon Johnson the corpse of Justice Winslow and a second round pick in 2025 because the Clippers literally don't have any other picks because they gave them all to Oklahoma City in the Paul George trade. So this is very, very interesting. JT, go first on this one. I, I don't want to be disrespectful because they are all NBA players. So they're all very talented at what they do. But at this point, it feels like this group of players um, is being traded or signs with different teams trying to find a spot to reinvigorate their careers. Because I feel like a lot of them coming into the NBA were very, oh, this is the next big thing. Like, you know, Justice Winslow, he was one that was supposed to do really well in Miami. Um, a lot of things didn't work out. But I feel like they're just trying to find a home now. And again, same uh, same sort of situation as with the Celtics. I think the Trailblazers are doing all, well, this is fact, but they're doing all they can to impress Damian Lillard by making moves. Now, they don't have the the assets to make great moves. So again, it's that same sort of situation of trading um, same for same almost, just a different person. So it'll be interesting to see how they fit alongside Damian because I know the whole landscape of the Trailblazers has changed in the the last couple of of days. Yeah. Um, it really comes down to how hard they're willing to work to reinvigorate those careers because the production has not been where it needs to be. Yes. Yeah. Luca just got his 50 
fifth point. So let's go. Fifty burger. Luca legend. Career high, obviously, as you can imagine. Yes. Uh, Jordan, go talk about this trade. Yeah, man. Uh, with the Blazers, man, I just I really don't know where they're going with this, man. I mean, obviously, we offloaded today no off our problems and. And and we've got Eric Bledsoe in return for Robert Covington and Norman Norman Powell, and we got Eric Bledsoe, Justin Winslow, and some second round picks. I mean, guys, Winslow was great in 2014, but you know we're not at Duke anymore, guys. Winslow really hasn't established anything in the league. He hasn't established a niche. He hasn't established a role. He hasn't established. He's just a journeyman, really. So, what value does this add to the Blazers, in which they should give up premier shooters and defenders? Uh, really not. I, I don't know. Nothing really, to be honest with you. Um, Eric Bledsoe has been, I feel like he's seen the best days of his career, to be honest with you. Um, he's a stagnant player. He's a solid, he's a talented player. Don't get me wrong, but what value is, is he adding to the Blazers? To be honest, I don't see any, um, and then picks. So, uh, for the Blazers, honestly, this is, a, this is an L, in my opinion, for the Blazers. This is an L. You know what I'm saying? You give up Robert Covington and Norman Powell to the Clippers. The Clippers need wing presences without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, so like Dennis was saying, I feel like this definitely helps them in the short term and long term when they get Kawhi and Paul George back. But to the Blazers, man, it's just tough. They're a small market. They don't have the assets. Simple as that. Dame is loyal, but I just, I just don't see where it could go, man. Clippers win yeah. the trade, though. Yeah. It comes down to this for me. The the Clippers, obviously, they're gunning for the playing spot, which, I mean, yep. God knows why. But I guess if you don't have any picks, you've got to go for it, right? Because Kawhi's not coming back at all. Nope. Like, let's get that out of the way. I don't think PG's coming back either. So I guess they just needed to to fill some scoring up. And what better with Norm Powell? Because he's pretty good. He's been very good for them, mm-hmm. um, especially over the the last like three games. In fact, he just scored. I just saw him make a really nice floater over Dorian Finney-Smith. Covington's a good move. Covington's always just one of those guys where you put him in a trade and he's just going to help out whatever team. Um, Mm -hmm. I wish he wasn't a journeyman because I think he has real value as a wing defender and as a, as a spot of three point shooter. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it is what it is at this point for him. So it's obviously a good fit for him. He kind of fits that culture. I don't think he stays there next year though, because he's a free agent after this year. And obviously the Clippers are already over the tax and Powell just signed an extension with the Blazers um, earlier this year. So unless Steve Ballmer, which I mean, he has a lot of money. He has like exorbitant amounts of money. If he wants to have a very much higher luxury tax bill, then go for it, man. But I don't think Rocco sticks around next year, but he'll, I mean, for this year, he'll be good for them in whatever playoff scenario. For sure. And obviously the Blazers are, they're just kind of tearing it down and it's, uh, it's kind of sad. And going into that, um, I want to segue from this trade into um, Dame's now former backcourt mate, which is sad to say. So I'm talking about CJ McCollum, who, is going with Larry Nance and Tony Snell to New Orleans um, in exchange for Josh Hart, um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's been pretty bad this year, Didi, Lozada, um, JT's boy, Thomas Sadoransky, um, or Sadoransky, um, a first-round pick this year, second-round pick both in 2026 and 2027. There's a lot of protections on that. I don't want to say it. I'll start with this one. I I don't know. This this trade really confused me. 
Because what are the Pelicans doing? I get that they've been playing a lot better lately. B. Eisman, hooping, like really, really good. By the way, Luca finished with uh, 51. Uh, that's this. Got the notification. There we go. So I, I'm very confused as to why the Pelicans felt the need to do this. In some ways, obviously they don't have guard depth, which I understand that because you decided to trade away all your people and then overpay Devontae Graham, who, I mean, no diss on Devontae Graham. He can hoop, but he's also like 5'9". He's literally like my height. So, well, he's taller, obviously, but I, I don't know. I don't know. CJ, I mean, he'll get his, you know. Um, he doesn't have the greatest injury history lately, but are they just doing this so they can get a playing spot? Is, is that what all this is for, New Orleans? I don't know what the point of this is. Larry Nance is a good pickup, though. I do, I do like that. Um, the Blazers already got rid of Alexander Walker. They shipped him off in another trade with the Jazz that involved Joe Ingles that I don't want to talk about because that's just that's not a relevant trade. Josh Hart will be pretty good for them, though, because um, he, he's been, had a really solid year this year. Obviously, he's a much better defender than McCollum ever was and ever will be because I, I feel like I, I want to quote my friends who have an NBA podcast for the floor, Brian and Tobin, they said they did an emergency pod like we're doing uh, earlier this week. And they were like, we could get buckets on CJ McCollum. And I could feel the same way about us three in this <laughs> call right now. I mean, Jordan obviously will, because Jordan can actually hoop a little bit, but even yeah. JT and I, who are not the, the best, uh, could get something on CJ if he was in front of us. Anywho, I don't know. This is, it's just weird trade all around. Was in the long term, maybe this is good for New Orleans, but this is obviously dependent on Zion, and I'm not too, uh, not too, you know, thrilled about Zion and his injury, guys. I'm yeah. a little concerned if I was a Pelicans fan, but that's just me. I'm gonna shut up now. Y'all talk about this trade. Yeah, man. Um, to be honest here, I mean, you got CJ McCollum and CJ McCollum. Column is a, a guy who can go get you 20. You can't defend anybody. You know this, okay? We get Larry Nance, a solid, solid pickup, all right? Tony Snell, not really a factor at all. Um, but like you just said, anything with the Pelican centers around Zion, guys, to be honest with you. And Zion, we knew this. We knew this coming into his career that it wasn't going to work. With his weight and his explosion, it just wasn't going to work. And so I'm, I'm concerned about his career. But as far as this trade goes, man, it's not really making a significant difference to what the Pelicans are looking at this year. Um, does anybody know what seed they're at right now? Um, the Pelicans? Yeah. They're 10 or 11. 10 or 11. Yeah. Even if you work your way to a playing game, you're probably not going to win that game. So in, in my opinion, it doesn't make a single difference, to be honest with you. So, And then obviously Portland. Portland is just tearing things down, guys. Josh Hart's a good pickup. Um, that's about the only one that's really going to be a factor, to be honest with you. Um, we'll see what happens in Portland, man. But right now, like we saw with the last trade, they're just they're just kind of tearing things down and trying to rebuild, to be honest with you. But I just don't see how this trade with either team has a, a big ripple effect. It really just doesn't, to be honest with you. Uh, I'd like it for Josh Hart because I love Josh Hart. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great player. Um, he can develop a little more on the offensive side of the ball, but he's a smart, high IQ defensive player. And he's just a good guy. And um, I think 
the Pelicans were looking at the name rather than the impact that will last for a while. And CJ McCollum is a big name. And so if we can get McCollum for what's considered a little, why wouldn't we? You know, it's kind of like the Russell Westbrook effect. If we can get him, why not? The talent will outweigh the why. Um, So it it really comes down to that. Like you were saying, Jordan, kind of waiting and seeing if the talent of CJ McCollum on the offensive side of the ball will outweigh the loss of Josh Hart on the defensive side of the ball. Um, And those other players that are coming along with, and for the uh, trailblazers, I think they're getting a really, really solid uh, pickup in Josh Hart. And I don't think he's someone that you can build a franchise around just yet per se, but he's definitely someone who can be a third or second on that team if you continue to uh, develop his uh, offensive side of the ball. But I I don't like it just for Josh Hart because he he didn't deserve that, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, let's keep it rolling. This was, I feel like, the dumbest trade before today. (laughs) But this trade that I'm talking about is the trade involving the Kings and the Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson for DeMontis Savonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and a second-round pick in 2023. Kings! Kings! The Kings strike again, y'all. Just being dumb. Anyways, y'all talk about this one before I rant about it later. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Who did the Kings get? Who did the Kings get? Savonis, Savonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and a pick in next year's draft the second rounder what is what what is this trade guys what is nonsense lamb what who is that jeremy lamb hasn't been good since connecticut guys let's be honest (laughs) what is this sabonis a serviceable player can shoot the ball guys but look at what they gave up yes you give up caliber dumb makes no sense healed a scrapper in thompson Dude, literally right now you have a young talent in Halliburton. Is this his second year or his first year? Second year, right? Yes, second year. Second year, man. A young up-and-coming talent who was in the top three in the rookie of the year race last year. He's been having a good year this year. And you offload young talent? Why would you do that unless you're getting a star in return? On top of that, you're offloading a prolific shooter in Buddy Heald who always has a spot on the team and a hustler in Thompson for essentially Sabonis guys Sabonis because what value is either of the other two bringing really I, again Lamb has not been good since Connecticut I'm going to continue to say it. this this was a dumb trade by the Kings like y'all said the Kings organization is a poverty franchise I don't know when that the last time they were good with, the last so time Mike they were yeah, Mike Bibby, exactly. And Peja back in like 03, 04, oh, Chris Webber. That just yeah, goes to Lee. how poverty the organization is. They don't know how to organize a roster. They don't know how to recognize talent when they have it. They don't know how to keep anything. Like, it's just bad trade, guys. Bad trade for the Kings. Super bad trade for the Kings. That's all I can say. Great pickups for Pacers, though. <laughs> this, I have to say, was probably one of the most annoying things I read about the trade uh deadline like just all the trades in general this was the most frustrating and i forget where i read it or something but 
uh, Tyrese was crying because he was so distraught about having to leave. Why? Yeah. Just why? That does not make any sense. And don't get me wrong, because Demontis Sabonis is a great player. He's a great, yeah. um, solid, standalone player that took the Pacers, not to the next level, but he made them relevant um, in a sense, um, alongside Victor Oladipo back in that weird strange phase and then Sabonis came out as the lone but he's not a terrible player but this is not something that you should do um mm -hmm. offload young talent for um a a quality guy because like you were saying joy he's not a he's not a star he's just yeah. a quality guy and you have the potential to make Tyrese a star in, yep. in the next coming years it, it just doesn't make sense to me but i mean hey kudos to the pacers they they got a steal man That's they got an absolute stuff. steal and buddy healed buddy healed too guys and man. this trade makes the josh hart to the trailblazers trade look so much worse because it kind of signifies all the other types of players you could have gotten um in terms of well, maybe for the Trailblazers, but in terms of people who were on the trading block, you could have got so much more out of that trade situation. But this is just dumb. It's just the Kings being the Kings. Yep. This is what it comes down to for me. You have three solid guards in Sacramento. I definitely get why you feel the need to offload one of them. Yep. But why on God's earth would you offload Tyrese... <laughs> instead of De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> if you're going to trade anybody, you have to get rid of De'Aaron Fox because Halliburton is showing signs that he's going to be able to last longer. De'Aaron does not look good. He has not looked good in the last like year and a half, to be fair. He has his moments every now and then. Obviously, he's fast and all that. <laughs> but Tyrese has something special about him. The fact that they got him at 12, remember draft night, when he got drafted, we were like, how did he drop that far? How did he drop to the Kings? And he's been great for them. And he had said that he wanted to care into the community and then he wanted to invest. And he had an interview after practice with the Pacers, I think today yep. or something. And he was like, well, they got rid of me, even though I wanted to be there, which is like, well, yeah, <laughs> like, of course, feel frustrated about that. Uh, Get rid of De'Aaron. Get rid of the guy who's going to demand a lot of money. Why would you trade Tyrese on his rookie deal? Why on earth would you do that? Him and Davion Mitchell would be a good backcourt pairing. Exactly. Davion Mitchell and yes. De'Aaron Fox is not as good of a backcourt pairing because De'Aaron has just not been up to the standard that we all expected him to be when he came out um, of Kentucky. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. The Pacers, you know, they just got a really nice player in Tyrese. I, it makes me wonder about the the future of Brogdon because, you know, he has his injury history. So we'll see if he's sixth round for much longer. Probably Obviously, not. Buddy Hild is a good pickup. I know that uh, former Mavs coach, now Pacers coach, Rick Carlisle, wanted him in Dallas, and now he gets him in Indiana. So that'll be fun. And they also got, I already forgot who they got, uh, Tristan Thompson. Mm -hmm. eh, I mean, you know, Tristan, him and his things, I'm sure. Um, yeah. As long as he's not around a Kardashian, then it's fine. Yeah, that's, that's all. That matters. Apple guys, yeah. he's uh, in Indiana. He's in Indiana. Yeah, so yeah, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah. He'll be bored, so it'll be fine. That's probably good for him that he's in a, in a boring 
uh, place to live, I guess. Well, not boring, but not as exciting as California. Yeah. All this to say, also- this is, uh, let me let me finish real quick. This is so dumb on so many levels. What are we doing, Sacramento? What are we doing? But for the Pacers, it's a good pickup. Sabonis is not a bad player. You guys already said it. He's pretty solid. And he actually did a good job in his first game with them. But that roster's already weird. And it got weirder for no reason. For yeah. no reason. They have way too many, like, bigs and wings and stuff. And it's just... <laughs> It's just oh, a mess. Their their GM is brutal, and I mean they have Alvin Gentry as interim coach right now, and they got to fix that and find somebody more permanent asap. Uh, what are we doing? Okay, JT, what do you got to say? I will say um, for the Pacers, this does mean Miles Turner. That situation is kind of resolved now. Whether they were going to trade him or not, he's happy with who they brought in. So it may have been a situation of just getting rid of Sabonis. Um, and the two that they picked up, as we just said, are great pieces. And I I do have to say I'm happy for Tyrese and Buddy, honestly, because as we all know, great players that play in Sacramento, they, they don't get to the playoffs. They don't get any type of chance. Yep. So maybe now they'll have a chance. So that that's <laughs> one good thing for them. Yeah, it'll be it'll be cool to see. I'm interested to see how a backcourt of Halliburton. I'm, I'm going to assume Rodney gets moved. So imagine a backcourt of Halliburton and Chris Duarte, who's had an amazing rookie year out there in Indiana. Him and Heald. That's a that's a pretty solid three right there. And then you add awesome. Miles Turner. Uh, you add in Lance Stevenson, who's you know he's back and is he's like back everybody. so so funny to me and tj warren if he ever comes back but who knows if he ever returns from his oh right so we have, i know we keep forgetting about him moving on to another very dumb trade this is a four-teamer we're still talking about the kings here the kangs so this is a, a weird deal all around i'm going to start on this one because i need to just yell out all this stuff because this trade made me mad the pistons got Marvin Bagley, the Clippers are getting Semi Ojale and Rodney Hood. The Bucks are getting Serge Ibaka, a second round pick this year, and a second round pick in 24. And the Kings are getting Trey Lyles, the corpse of Josh Jackson, and Dante <laughs> DiVincenzo. Milwaukee, what are you doing? I understand that you guys need a big because Lopez has been out. You're you were idiots for getting rid of Boogie, who actually played good for you, and now he's yeah. not playing good for the yes. Nuggets. I understand your only two bigs right now are Giannis, technically, and the really great Bobby Portis. Which can we? I want a quick aside on him. He has been amazing. Yes, sir. On that team, yes. absolutely amazing, yes. and he's a just fits the culture, fits the vibe. Unreal. I love just watching him play. He's just very joyful. And just the way that he has kind of redeemed himself, you know, because remember the story when he got in a fight um, back when he was in Chicago and and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, he went to the Knicks for a little bit and he didn't do so hot. This has been really cool to see him uh, just kind of have a shift in his career and for the better. And, you know, he's a great defensive stalwart for them. He's a great three-point shooter now, which is amazing. Yes. Uh, that never would have thought that. So I understand you guys need another big. But Serge Ibaka has been hurt a lot lately. He's not the same guy that he used to be. Nope. 
And I understand you won a title last year without Devin Chesno and that you have Grayson Allen to fill that void. But why would you trade Devin Chesno? He's good. He's been good ever since he got into the league. And why would you let him go to the Kings of all places? Why would you let him go to the Kings? Where now, I mean, I don't like saying this, but I mean, what's going to happen to his career? You know, like, what are we doing, guys? The Clippers getting Hood and Ojale, that's fine. I mean, they probably won't play much because Hood has, hasn't been the same since he got hurt, even though he's still a bucket. And Ojale is good in, only in spot minutes. So, I, I mean, good for them, I guess. Bagley going to Detroit, though, I think is very interesting. He obviously needed a change of scenery bad, 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 bad. And it's good that Detroit kind of offers him that because he's going to get a lot of playing time. You know, he has to get a lot of playing time because who else are they going to play? They're going to run Cade. They're going to run uh, Jeremy Grant, who for some reason is still there. I thought he was getting moved. And Sadiq Bay and all the other guys that they have. This is a good spot for him to develop. And let's see if his career um, turns for the better because obviously he did not do so hot. Um, in a draft where DeAndre Ayton went first, Luca went third, Trey Young went fifth. He has stunk the bed really bad. <laughs> really, really bad. So Boy. this is this is a hopefully a good thing for him to to kind of turn it around. So I'm done. Y'all talk about this trip. Yeah, man. That I think that that part was hilarious because you just named DeAndre Ayton, Trey Young, Luca. All these guys were around him as he was the second pick. Luca and Trey went after this man. This man's career has not been anything we have heard nothing of mark of of marvin bagley and as frankly like on sacramento he has essentially produced nothing for their team so him getting to the pistons is going to give him an opportunity to play a big role and i really think that that's important for developing young and talented players um is the ability to play a big role because it just gives you the opportunity really to to mess up you know what i'm saying to go you're not on a contender um develop yourself you know, and so I think this is a great opportunity for Bagley. I really hope that he can deliver on his talent that he has, and and him, him and Cunningham can start to create something out there in uh, Detroit. But that's how I feel about that one. And then we've got the Clippers adding Rodney Hood and uh, Omejale. Is that how you pronounce his name? Ojale. Ojale. Yeah, Hood hasn't hasn't been the same. Honestly, I haven't seen Hood be good since Portland, bro. Like, I mean, he was. He was tough back in the day, man. But um, recently, man, uh, with his injuries, he hasn't really produced. He yeah, when he was on the Jazz, bro. Yeah, yeah, bro, the Jazz. He was a jazz bucket. Too. He was a bucket, and we remember we remember Hood at Duke, guys. He was a bucket, lefty scorer, can shoot the ball, can score from the mid range, but really hasn't been the same since those injuries. So, I mean, what factor does he really play into the Clippers unless he returns to form? Um, not much, to be honest with you. Uh, the Bucks uh, acquiring Serge Ibaka. Guys, Serge, you know, we know he hasn't really been good since Toronto. Like, back in, like, to what was that, 2019? 2019? Yeah, 2019. Ever, yeah, 2019. Ever since then, he's been hurt. Um, you know, Serge is an intriguing player, so I can see why the Bucks wanted to pull the trigger on that. But they have to remember that they're not getting 2019 or OKC Serge Ibaka. They're getting injured and hobbled Serge Ibaka. So they're getting you know. Orlando Magic Serge Ibaka. You remember Orlando. when he was on the Magic? <laughs> Orlando Grief, man. <laughs> that was terrible. Orlando Magic Serge Ibaka. So yeah, guys, not really trending anything for the Bucks. 
And then the Kings, obviously, with DiVincenzo, you've already got um, De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell there. They're both going to play heavy minutes. So where is his place going to be? I honestly don't know. Um, We'll see. But I feel like the best opportunity out of this trade is for Marvin Bagley, man. I I think he just has to establish himself in Detroit because that could really turn for the best if he develops. So a couple of things. For one, I want to touch on Bobby Portis, too. Because I loved him coming out of Arkansas when we got him in Chicago. Didn't really pan out. But I will say, this is the only thing I'll brag on real quick. But I will say, I saw this coming. I saw this play from Bobby Portis coming. Mm -hmm. It just didn't work out in Chicago or New York. But I knew he could be this player. And it's awesome to see that. And I think if you take Bobby Portis and look at the way his career has been reinvigorated, I think that has a big part to do with Giannis and the way he loves to play the game and the way he ministers, quote unquote, to the rest of his teammates. And I think that will be a big part of why Sergi Baca will be a major key piece to this Bucks team. Now, it sucks to lose Dante. I, I love Dante. He's a great player. And I don't know why they would send him to Sacramento. But on the flip side of that, I do think Serge will play a key role um, in, if not being dominating or uh, the same surge, the least he can do is sit around the block and block shots. Yep. And uh, that'll take a lot of the pressure off of Giannis to do everything on both ends of the floor. Mm. Um, in terms of Marvin Bagley, the only notable thing from his time in Sacramento is him getting bodied by Damian Lillard. <laughs> in the uh, rap battles, but <laughs> him going to Detroit will be tremendous for him. I mean that that's going to be a perfect spot with Cade and Jeremy Grant. Um, th- that team's growing up. He has a lot of growing up to do himself, and that's a like y'all were just saying. It, it's a great spot to do that. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how long other people stay. And how long he stays there uh, when his contract is up and stuff. Because it would suck to see another Andre Drummond situation develop where he's the only piece they have. <laughs> but um, <laughs> other than that, I mean, Rodney Hood has... <sighs> I love Rodney Hood, but it's been really hard to, to watch. Because like y'all just said, he has not been the same player and I'm expecting him to be the same player, you know. So hopefully a change of scenery one more time will help him to get back to where he was and he can be a true contributor again. But, yeah. Yep. Okay. We got two more left. And it's time to to take off the time limit. We're just going to go. Man. Go on and on because these two are worthy of going on and on about. Man. We're going to end with the blockbuster. Got to. But let's talk about the the one that affects our hometown team, Jordan. Kristaps uh, <laughs> Porzingis is no longer a Dallas Maverick. He has been traded for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Rutans. Davis Rutans, however you say it. And the Mavs are also sending a pick over to Washington. So I want to start because I just need to get this out of the way. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Listen, here, let me make this very clear. I don't think the concept of trading KP 
is a bad concept at, at all. My, my pushback on doing it now is why would you do it now in the middle of his best season? I know he's been hurt. He's been out 20 games. In the middle of his best season as a Maverick, not statistically wise, probably not, but as just as a complete overall player, the best season he's had as a Maverick. Why would you not wait until the end of the year to see if he comes back from injury, does some stuff in the playoffs and kind of ups his value even more? Mm-hmm. Why would you not wait for that? Because this return is trash. I'm sorry. <laughs> this it, like, you can't tell me that Christoph Porzingis is worth Spencer Dinwiddie's terrible contract and is only 12 points a game. And Davis Rattans, who's making 18 million a year to score five points a game. Five points a game, guys. Why would we do that? Why are we giving up a pick for them? Why are, why are we not getting picks from the Wizards? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why did we not try to trade Tim Hardaway's contract? Like the uh, Jazz did with Joe Ingles, because Tim's probably not going to be back this year. What are we doing? Why do we decide to do this now? When this is the big thing that this is not an original thought. I, I know friends that have said this. I know that I'm sure some people in national media have said this too. The way that Jason Kidd has transformed KP this year, and the way that he has gotten him out of his head, because when he was under Carlisle, he got into his head too much because Carlisle didn't like him and only used him as basically a 7-3 spot-up shooting guard. But Kidd has gotten him out of his head this year, has made him confident, has made him look joyful again, and him and Luca had good chemistry together. Yes, I know that the, their plus-minus on the floor was like a negative zero-point-something when they were together, whatever. And I know that Luca and KP playing together, their record was slightly worse than when it's just Luca. I get that. But you have to give it a try especially considering the Mavs defense has been amazing over the last month and a half. They've been like second or third in defensive efficiency or defensive rating over that time span. And Chris Stapps, I know he hasn't been around for much of it, but he has a big part of that. He has a big part of that because of his rim protection, because of the way that he's just tall and is able to affect shots because he's seven, three, he is a unicorn. I just, I don't understand why we got this return, why we couldn't have seen if we could get more value and maybe there wasn't value, maybe the Mavs uh, health guys, their trainers came in today and said, something's up with his knee. That is actually worse. Get rid of him now. Maybe that happened. And maybe we don't find out about that till later. I totally get that, but I just don't get doing it, man. And I don't like the contracts like both Dinwiddie and uh, Bertans are making about, 18 million a year, if I remember correctly, something like that. And it's just, it's just not good. The only thing that I suspect is that the Mavs are doing this now because they need, or they're going to do a bigger move in the summer, but I don't know for who, I don't know what could be done at that point. I'm assuming between that, having those two contracts as assets and having Dorian Finney Smith, who just signed an extension today, his contract as an asset. Maybe they do something uh, bigger in the summer. As far as the Dinwiddie and Bertans fit, I mean, I don't like Bertans. He hasn't been good since he was in San Antonio. He had like that one good year where he got his money, got his bag, and he hasn't been good since then. Like he was brutal in the playoffs last year. Absolutely brutal. Or two years ago, whenever it was. 
Dinwiddie, his ACL injury has really affected him. I'm sorry. It's just not good. Not good at all. And he, I've, I've heard things that he's not the greatest locker room guy. And I don't love that personally. Now I will say that he's able to get buckets. He's able to be a good shot creator. And that's good because we don't really have that right now. Um, ever since Brunson, especially off the bench, because Brunson, now that he's in the starting lineup with Luca, you don't really have that like consistent flamethrower. Now that Tim's out, that he's hurt. Reggie's had to step up, and that's been good to see him step up. Burke has had to step up. But it just, I just don't know if that's the right fit. I just don't see Dinwiddie being here long term or Vertons. I don't see them being here like next year. I'll be surprised if they're here next year. That's maybe a hot take. I just don't know how it could be like, we're going to run with this guy and we're going to make him a part of our core. I just don't see that. I just don't see that at all. Um, and as far as the big situation with the team goes, like our bigs are now currently Bertans, Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba, uh, Marquise, Chris and Boban, not great in the playoffs when we're going to have to face the likes of Jaron Jackson, Jr. Or Deandre Ayton or James Wiseman. If he comes back, if we play the Warriors or Jokic, <laughs> Nikola Jokic, guys. Or if for some okay. reason we end up playing the Lakers, if they figure their crap out, Anthony <laughs> freaking Davis or Zubox, who always likes to play good against uh, the the maps, especially in the playoffs. What are we doing? Like, why why would we give up that depth? I mean, I know like none of those guys are good. KP was clearly the best out of all of them. And now we're going to get a guy who cannot defend to save his life. I know Bertans cannot defend to save his life <laughs> because I've seen it with my own eyes throughout his entire career. It is not possible for him to defend. Oh, and Gobert. We're going to get creamed if we play Utah because Gobert's going to murder us. He's actually going to be able to stay on the floor because nobody's going to be able to guard him. Our best defender out of all that crew is Maxi, and Maxi's pretty good. That's not going to work unless the small ball is just going to be amazing. So I just, I'm so frustrated by this. I'm so frustrated that this has to be the first trade that Nico Harrison, the new GM made. I'm so frustrated about it. I just, I just don't like the timing of it more than anything. Like I said, the concept of trading KP is not a terrible concept. If you get a decent return if, and if you do it at a time where it's probably right. And maybe the time was never right. Maybe the time had to be now. I don't know. I just... I don't know if even Goran Dragic, who's supposed to get bought out and the Mavs are favorites to sign him. I don't know if that's going to be able to redeem any of this. Oh, I'm frustrated. I'm going to shut up. Somebody else talk. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, man. Um, the Mavs got rid of their best asset and KP for minimal return. Spencer Dinwiddie, who's really not been, he's not been great this year, and David Bertans. KP was your best asset. When I first saw the trade, I thought Bradley Bill was included in it, to be honest with you, until I read it and realized, until, and realized that it was just Spencer Dinwiddie and David Bertans, at which point I was kind of like, what exactly are we doing? Okay. Because KP is, you know, while we've, we've had, like, he's had backlash and everything, he's an extremely valuable and unique player, seven-foot guy, can shoot the ball from anywhere on the floor. Um, and we're getting back Spencer Dinwiddie, who's an injury-prone guy, was not been the same since the ACL injury and David Bertans. To me, I'm not quite sure how the Mavs could justify 
making that trade outside of a situation that we don't know. That's the only, like Dennis was saying, that's the only reason I could really justify this trade. Uh, it doesn't really make sense to me, um, but it's done now. We can make sense of it all we want. Um, maybe information comes out later, but this was a very bad trade by the Mavs. I, I just don't. This got rid of your best asset, guys. Because who else, who else are you going to move to bring into Dallas? Like, what other packages are you going to be able to create? KP is your best asset, and you gave him up for a small return. Bad, bad trade. Very bad trade. Man, obviously, I'm not as um, touched by this as y'all are. But like Jordan said, when I first, so the the little, as you know, the little app, the ESPN app will send you uh, updates of what's going on. And the little mm-hmm. drop-down thing came down, and I saw Kristaps Porzingis. I was like, and then Washington Wizards. I was like, okay, so Bradley, Bill, and Luca in Dallas. We'll, we'll see how that works. That that could be a cool little dynamic duo. Yeah. And then I realized <laughs> that Spencer Dinwiddie was the focal point of the trade. I... The only way I could see that ever being a possibility is if this is the Spencer Dinwiddie that was playing alongside D'Angelo Russell in uh, Brooklyn when he was really out here playing at a high level. Um, Now, can he get back to that? Maybe. Maybe if he comes to Dallas and plays alongside Luka um, and gets a, a passer, a playmaker beside him to where he can get around screens and just shoot, maybe he can get back to that level. Um, Cause I think what we see with Spencer Dinwiddie is the same thing we saw with it and D'Angelo Russell. And that's the Kyrie effect. He gets mm-hmm. pushed out and he loses his, it's almost like he got the yips. Like he, he forgot how to play at a high level. So in, in my opinion, I'm, I'm trying to be as encouraging as I can be. I'm hoping that when he gets to Dallas, he'll develop back into that. Um, same goes for uh, Davis Bertans. Is that how you pronounce yeah, his name? Yes, correct. Because for like y'all just mentioned, for that stretch, he was one of the hottest shooters, like big man shooters out there. So if they can get back to those things that made them um, those high-level trade assets, then y'all could have a real, a real good uh, group there. But again, that's all ifs. So <laughs> I, I don't love it. Um, I wish Spencer had been at a higher level before this trade to kind of make it make more sense. But I, I just don't see the value right now. It just frustrates me to no end. Okay, yeah. enough about this one. Let's end with a bang. The blockbuster of the day, boys. Bang. We have Whew. the elusive the infamous ben simmons getting his wish almost a year later he's finally gone from philly he's going to brooklyn for james harden it actually happened guys full trade is ben simmons seth curry miss you buddy a lot andre drummond and two first round picks one in this year's draft and one five years from now in 27 for james harden and the corpse of paul Millsap. Give us your thoughts, boys. Man, man, oh man, guys. So with this one, man, to me, to me, look, this is big for the Philadelphia 76ers to to pair Harden with Embiid because without Simmons being there, guys, without Simmons being there, 
literally you were wasting one of Joel Embiid, a, a, a premier season in the middle of Joel Embiid's prime. Guys, Joel Embiid is not the most durable guy in the world. We cannot, you cannot waste, you cannot waste a monster year from him. Like you just can't do that. And so people are saying that Brooklyn won the trade. The 76ers are going all in right now. The championship window closes quick. And your championship window is open as long as Embiid is a top-level player. Who knows when he'll get hurt again? He could get hurt again this year. You know what I'm saying? And so they're going to pull the trigger on a guy like James Harden. Has James Harden quit on the last two teams that he's been a part of? Yes. Yes, he has. But is James Harden an elite player who will make a difference and will create a serious problem in the pick and roll? Imagine Embiid and Harden in the pick and roll. Guys, they didn't give up Tobias Harris. They didn't give up Maxi. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we still got very good players. You gave up Seth. That's a big loss. Seth was a big contributor to that team. You gave up Drummond. You know what I'm saying? And you gave up some draft picks. And obviously, Simmons doesn't even factor into this trade. Simmons wasn't giving you anything, and he wasn't ever going to give you anything. So to me, you traded for James Harden. You traded Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. That's what you traded. Ben Simmons been gone. <laughs> yeah. He's been gone. Yeah. So this is this is huge for the 76ers, man. I, I don't like the take that the Brooklyn Nets won the trade because I think Harden comes back and plays spectacular basketball with Joel Embiid. And I think they're going to be a terror. Uh, people that's, that are saying Brooklyn is better, guys, Kyrie is part-time. Thank you. Kyrie is hard time. There are no ifs, ands, buts, what's. He's part time. So KD is hurt. Kyrie is part time. We've got KD, who is elite with Simmons. Um, and we've added Seth Curry, very, very serviceable players. But when you compare them to that tandem that's going to be out in, in Philadelphia, man, I'm excited to see the show because it will be a show. It's going to be a show, guys. <laughs> like, man, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. This is big. This and is real. Aside, I, I guess Ben Simmons got vaccinated because the rumor was that he was unvaccinated. <laughs> he decided to I, get vaccinated. I guess so. So if if Could he did it, yeah, he would have been a lame duck. It's like, all right, Kyrie, part two. Good grief, yeah. man. <laughs> and I'm I'm glad that you bring that up. I, I, were you finished, Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, Dennis, I'm glad that you bring that up because of Addy, the, the take that Brooklyn won this trade is not one I can get behind yeah. because like you just said, Jordan, Kyrie is part-time right now and you add in Ben Simmons, who has not played all year, mm-hmm. has, has refused to work out with the team, all these types of things. Now, obviously he can go get up shots and get his own workouts in, but there's nothing like working with the team in a team setting to stay in condition for the NBA. It's the NBA. Let's not forget. So you add that type of mentality into the already dysfunctional family that is the Brooklyn Nets. How <laughs> is that going to work? I, I, I don't see it working out at all. Um, nope. Now, what's really interesting about this that I'll, I'll be really excited to see is that a new rivalry has just been born. Um, um, true. Like you, uh, to Jordan's point, James Harden has quit on the last two teams that he's played for. However, 
I do feel like there's a sort of there's a sort of uh, responsibility that can be put on the teams for not making the right moves. I mean, he gave Houston how many years of pure just scoring, yeah, and he went all in uh, for Brooklyn. And I think that's a part of why he quit on Brooklyn is because he was like Kyrie, KD, y'all told me to quit on Houston to come here, and what are we doing? We're 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 doing nonsense with you, <laughs> Tom Fuller. And so then we see him, he, he's not caring. He's, he's playing at a lower level. But once he gets to Philadelphia, bro, it's, it's over. Because yeah. now Joel has someone who can shoot the ball from anywhere, can get his own shot, not just get to the rim, but get his own shot and get other people their shots as well. So you're not only uh, trading Ben Simmons for someone who can score, but he can also facilitate in a similar manner to Ben Simmons. Maybe he's not as as true a playmaker as Ben Simmons, but he he can yeah. handle the rock. And to Jordan's point also, like you didn't give up Tobias Harris or Tyrese Maxey, and you want to tell me Brooklyn won this trade? They didn't win nah. the trade. It's nah. nonsense. Right at, at this point, it just... It just uh, depends on the chemistry that James and Joel can build. And once that gets there, I hate to say it, but the East is going to be in trouble, man. That's going to be a problem. Be a big problem, man, because I cannot get over the fact that Kyrie is part-time, bro. Kyrie is part-time. Like, man, people have to understand this. Yeah. Oh, man. Let me, so I, I differ a little bit from you two. I think both teams have a reason to feel like they won the trade in their own right. So I think for Philly, this helps them out in the short term. Um, their window is this year, next year. Um, because Harden opted into the player option that he had on his contract as part of the deal. And this is it. Because um, he's not getting younger. Uh, I'm talking about James. Um, he has physically not been in the best shape. That hamstring injury that he picked up in the playoffs last year messed him up big time, and he struggled to really get back in the form of this year, even though he's an all-star. Even though he got picked last in the all-star game draft today, which was also very, very funny, uh, the way that that whole thing ended up uh, happening. Shout out to Inside the NBA uh, and Shaq and Chuck and all them for just making that very funny. Anywho, it helps him out in the short term because they have a a huge scoring punch. Obviously this hurts them defensively um, in a little bit of a way. Cause James is, you know, not the greatest defender. Um, yeah. Even he gets his steals. He's good at getting steals, but I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how quickly I think Joel is going to get mad at James a lot quicker than people think. So we'll see if that boils over into anything greater. And I hope it doesn't for the sake of them. Because you know, Joe will be a troll sometimes and <laughs> that doesn't hurt them in this situation. But I do think that like they've made it very clear the process is over. It's time to go win this thing now. Yep. Um, their window is this year, next year. They gotta go get gotcha. a title. Um, because I think when James has to sign a new deal uh next summer, not this coming summer, but next summer, I mean he's just not gonna be the same player and Joel is in the middle of his prime, but soon he'll be reaching the end of it. Of course, they got to get something. Um, 
these next couple of years. But that scoring trio of him, of Harden and Bede and Tobias Harris is pretty good. Shout out to them for not giving up Thibel or Maxi or both. That's pretty great of them to not do that. I forgot about Thibel. With the, with the pick, with the two first round picks, instead of giving up one of them, that's a big time deal, but they are going to miss Seth Curry. That that team does not shoot the ball from three very well. And part of the reason why they were ever even decent was because of Seth Curry, who's elite because his last, not because his last name is Curry. Well, because his last name is Curry, but also because he's pretty good and him going to the Nets is, is good for them. And I'll talk about them here in a sec, but to wrap up on Philly, it's, I think it's a good move in the long term. Eh, not so much. That's a lot of money for Joel and James and and Tobias. So I don't know if that's in two or three years that'll be the, the greatest thing. But if they win a title, then it won't matter, right? Yeah. To for be honest, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. I said, they they don't they just don't care about the long term because they know for a fact that Joel is injury prone, bro. Like yeah. at the end of the day, he will be injured. So he is lighting stuff up right now. They have to like Ben Simmons walks. They have to make something happen, which is why they did this deal. They don't care about three years from now. They care about right now. Right now, we have to make this happen because Joel is playing out of his mind, and we cannot waste this. Like yeah. that was the rationale, to be honest with yeah. you. And they have a good shot to make it out of the East. I mean, the East is very wide open this year, even though there's Excellent. you know there's four or five great teams in the East. Well, not great. Well, really good teams, not great, not elite. Because nobody's kind of separated themselves. Or I guess mm. six. Anyway. For Brooklyn, Seth Curry being there is amazing. He's begin he's gonna become what Shamit was for them last year, but way better because he's a much better playmaker. Uh I think Drummond actually helps a lot because Drummond was not bad as a backup for Joel. He has kind of accepted his role and you know, in certain matchups, he's not a bad like he's not a minus. Um, he's not going to be a lame duck. So I think that's good for, for them, for their center depth. Cause you, I mean, they have LaMarcus Aldridge who he's super old. Um, Claxton is super young. They don't really run a lot of bigs. So just to have that as- assurance from a center perspective, I think is good for them. Getting the two picks is good because they haven't had a lot of picks recently. So that's good for assets. If they want to go get another guy like later in the summer, or something like that. They could use that as some some arsenal for that. As far as Ben goes, as far as Ben goes, I, I mean, I'm not the biggest Ben fan. Me either. It's <laughs> a loser. This, <laughs> this and Andre, if Ben plays like soon, because who knows? I'm not so sure. I mean, I don't want to like, you know, make fun or, or question somebody's mental health. But I don't know if it's true. I mean, there's lots of people that are saying, yeah, it's true. There's lots of people like he's using it as a thing to like not play in Philly, whatnot. But if he comes back decently soon, him and Drummond alone help make their defense significantly better. Like so much better. It's insane because they're not good defensively because Kyrie cannot guard anybody to save his freaking life. (laughs) Durant's pretty good, but like not as... I mean, he's at the point now where he's really got to be more just like a situational defender as opposed to like he like one on one. It's not the best thing in the world for him to have to guard somebody one on one because, you know, it exerts energy from him. And 
you know, he wants to exert that energy on the offensive and not on the defensive. Facts. So him being there is huge for them if he's even competent on the defensive end. And the fact that he has no pressure um, to have to, to score the ball because you've got the, the greatest scorer that I've ever seen in my lifetime, Kevin Durant. Yeah. And, and a bucket getter, the probably some of the best handles I've ever seen in my life in Kyrie Irving when he decides to, you know, actually play and when he's <laughs> available to play, of course. And you've got guys like Seth Curry who can get his own bucket. He's an elite three-point shooter. Joe Harris, if he comes back, I mean, we know he's been hurt for a while, but if he comes back, I mean, he can knock down threes. Blake Griffin can get you 10 points on a random night, you know. You've got that alley-oop threat um, with a Claxton, with a Drummond. It's very, very interesting. That Patty Mills has been awesome, awesome for them this year. Yeah. Elite three-point shooting all around, getting buckets almost every night. So there's no pressure for Ben. There's no pressure for Ben like he had to in Philly. He can just distribute. He can go find those three-point shooters. Like imagine him and Mills and Curry sharing the same, like they're on the court together. He goes, takes it downhill, drive to the rim. Oh, you got Mills in one corner. You got Curry in the other corner. Kick it out to them or that on the wing. Like, whop, knockdown. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. I, I mean, that. I think that's pretty good, you know? And obviously, yes. he's young enough that I think Brooklyn, as far as like a culture standpoint, it's a much better culture, I think, than Philly. Because, you know, the guys in Brooklyn, whether it's Finn KD or even in pre-KD days when Levert was there, when Diddy was there, when D'Angelo was there, they've always talked about the culture and how the culture is always good in Brooklyn and that they're trying to do something. That's part of the reason why KD wanted to go there because he likes the culture. I think that culture helps Ben in his mental state in just the way that he is as a basketball player. I think that helps him a lot, actually. Mm. So... I say in the long term, because of Ben's age and, you know, he hasn't gotten to his prime yet, and Seth is on his on this deal for like two or three more years. It's a good pick. It's a good pickup for for Brooklyn. It helps them and kind of extend their window. Cause in some ways, like I mean, what if you have Durant, you always have a shot, right? Thanks. This kind of extends it a little bit, um, just to be able to have a guy who is an elite defender who can play make when he's right, of course. And he's young. I think that it helps him out in the long run, but I don't necessarily think that there's a loser in this trade. I think both sides in their own way, like have good things to take away. And as Kevin Durant said on the all-star game show tonight, both teams got what they wanted. Everybody's happy. So I think that's, that's what it comes down to for me. I feel that um, <clears throat> in terms of, like, not having a loser. Um, dang, what was I about to say? Dang, never mind. I, it just left me. Yeah, man. I Like like y'all were saying, I think Seth Curry is, is a massive loss for the 76ers just because what is he averaging, like, 17 points this year, over 40% three-point shooting. Um, Keep talking while I look up the stat. Yeah, but he was a massive contributor. And when I saw that they include Seth Curry, obviously, you're going to have to give up some. It was either going to be Seth Curry or Maxi. One of them was going to have to go. Um, there, there's just no avoiding it. So that's a big loss for the 76ers, especially shooting-wise. Um, but at the end of the day, what you're looking at is you're looking at trading Seth Curry 
and Andre Drummond for James Harden because Ben Simmons, like I said, was already not there. So in the short term, which is what the Philadelphia 76ers are concerned about, it's blockbuster that's big time for them because I believe James will be a prolific player playing with Joel Embiid. I believe he'll return to form. He Guys, we're saying that James Harden is having an off year right now. Look at his averages. He's averaging 22, 8, and 10 right now. He's the Field only guy averaging 22 points or 20 points and 10 assists a game or 10 dude, rebounds or something. Literally, he's averaging 22, 8, and 10. James does this in his sleep, guys. When he wants, we saw this same thing when he was in Houston. He stopped playing right. We, we all know that that performance against Sacramento was a protest performance. He didn't want to be there. Why did James Harden want to leave? Guys, the problem stems from Kyrie. He's not bought. He's not all the way in. He's not bought in. James is like, I didn't sign up for this, guys. Like, I didn't sign up for this man being a part-time player and not playing half the games. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, James can get backlash, but at the end of the day, man, like, it, it stems from Kyrie. Kyrie was the source of that problem, and we all should have known that. So I yeah. think he's going to get to Philly, and I think he's going to turn up. I think he's going to turn all the way up, man. I really do. I think he's going to average 25 and 10, and Joel B's going to average 30. Yeah. And then they've got Maxie and Tobias Harris on the side, and they're just going to be lighting people up, to be honest with you. I think they got a real shot and an opportunity. But I agree with Dennis in the long run. This really helps Brooklyn because you just add more depth. What did you give up when you got Harden? You gave up depth. We, you just got some of that depth back, adding Steph Curry, adding Ben Simmons, adding Andre Drummond. In the long run, it's going to be big because even if Kyrie ain't playing, KD going to keep you afloat. And if you got guys like that around him, they'd be all right. So they can withstand Kyrie's, we don't know where, where, where he at situation, you know, because yeah. <laughs> you never know with this man. <laughs> Before you talk, JT, 15 points a game for Seth, 40% from three. Yep, see, elite, elite shooter. Mm-hmm, really good. I'm glad when you said short term, that made me uh, think of my thought. But mm-hmm. I think each team won in the area that they wanted to win in. Yeah. The way I see it, the NBA is a win now league. Like, I want to win a championship this year. I don't want to wait for three more years. I don't want to wait. Da, 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 da. And for the 76ers, this is the long haul. It's been the long haul since they drafted Joel Embiid. They call it the process. Exactly. And (laughs) so now this is the the fruit of the process. Like it it ain't no more time to to do long haul stuff. We've done the waiting. We've we've asked the fans to be patient and trust the process. So Mm -hmm. what is the process going to, what is it going to produce? And this is what they're looking for. And in terms of the uh, Nets, they know that this year is kind of wonky right now because of Kyrie and because of KD's being out. Just yeah. it, It's just a weird situation. So reset, recalibrate, mm-hmm. bring in people and focus on the next couple of years. So that's a good point that you make, Dennis. Um, each team won in the area that they wanted to win, but in a league where it's win now, I think the 76ers have the best chance of the win now um, makeup. Yeah. Guys, question, question. I have a question. Okay. Okay. Scenario. Katie doesn't get hurt. It's hard in a 76er right now. No. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he's a 70. Guys, guys, they were 29 and 16. They were top two in the East. 
Katie, if Katie was still a part of that team, uh, I don't think Harden's a 76er right now. The reason that Harden is a 76er is because he realized that as soon as Katie went down, he realized he was like, oh, man, I can't rely on Kyrie. Katie's hurt. No good. If Katie never goes down, I think this trade doesn't happen. Because Brooklyn's going to be like 30. They're going to be like well above 500 playing good basketball. Katie literally faces over every problem that you might have. So Katie getting injured was literally the opportunity of century for the Philadelphia 76ers. Because then Harden was allowed to see how dysfunctional the whole situation was and how Katie was basically, because of his greatness, making it better. You know what I'm saying? So that produced a huge opportunity for Philadelphia. I would go even further and say that it was an opportunity for Brooklyn as well, because mm. James is no dummy. <laughs> James is no dummy. Yeah. He saw the struggles that were going on, even with KD there. He the acts losses like it that they were taking. Yeah. Do what? He acts like it sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he saw what was going on, even with KD there. And yes, they're winning games, but it was a struggle for a majority of the time. And so I don't think he resigns, um, even if KD is healthy. I think he goes elsewhere. Because let's not forget, like you just said, Kyrie was the architect of this whole team, of all three of them coming there. So if Kyrie is not bought in, why do I need to be bought in? I can go join up with anybody, you know, and be on a quest for a chip. So I think this was an opportunity. It was the perfect timing Obviously, you never hope to see someone get hurt or want that to happen, but it was the perfect timing to let both teams acquire what they needed for the situation that they found themselves in. Because honestly, I don't see James Harden staying after the season. Oh, okay. Interesting. I have one more thing that I want to say, and then we can wrap it up. There's a tweet that The Athletic put out earlier today that Kyrie was ready for Harden to go. And I quote from this writer, Joe Varden, I think that's his name. When Irving heard Harden was in fact hoping to be traded, a well-placed source said he was eager to see it come to fruition. <laughs> Kyrie, you, you, you're frustrating, man. Like, <laughs> he really is. Kyrie you know, is frustrating. He's the worst, man. Like, dude, dude, so I don't ways. understand. This dude collects a $30 million a year check. And, and like, he's part-time. I've never seen this before. And Stephen A. was talking about this on, on his first take. The owners are literally coming for the players in this next set of negotiations because of stuff like this. Yes. This man sitting out half of the games and collecting a $30 million check. What other job do you know that you can show up 50% of the days and collect a full check? A $30 million check. <laughs> That's nonsense, man. That's nonsense. And so with this man not being bought in, that is literally the middle of the problem because Kyrie Irving is such a talented, spectacular, box office basketball player, but literally he is so unreliable that it drove James Harden away. He was like, bro, I cannot do it with this man. Yeah, <laughs> he I mean, is he too got- unreliable. He got there was reports that he got pissed at the fact that he was like annoying and that he wouldn't get the vaccine and that he didn't want to be fully in on the season. And I get why he's frustrated. Yeah, 
he deserves <laughs> to be and KD too because yeah. they all um they all said that they would sacrifice together to make that thing work and yep. now yep. one guy is not holding up his end of the bargain and it happens to be the guy who wanted all of them to come there now yeah. i i it does not surprise me that Kyrie would be excited for James to leave because as soon as James got there, I feel like a lot of the conversation was around James Harden's playmaking being better than Kyrie. And <laughs> a lot of people saying, yeah, KD's one, James is one a and Kyrie is two. And, you know, just pitting James Harden, holding him as more valuable than Kyrie and Kyrie and KD are very similar in the fact that they're both very sensitive about certain topics and switching James Harden for Ben Simmons. Now the Brooklyn Nets have three of the most um, sensitive, most I'm going to do what I want type players that I've ever seen in my whole life. So Damn. it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. But Why yeah. Earthers unite? Just- yeah, man. I don't know, bro. Kyrie is just, uh, he's just, you he, he can't trust this man, bro. Like, I've heard sources that say that he, that he sees basketball more as a job and he doesn't care all that much. Now, why, Katie, why, why you would want to play with, I don't care how talented he is. Why would you would want to play with somebody like that? I don't know. I like Kyrie, bro. He's a spectacular player, but mm-hmm. he's on some other stuff, man. Like, I don't know. He's, yeah, I, I don't know, bro. <laughs> I do I do think that um and this is my opinion I don't know how many other people think this but I think that him winning a championship with LeBron in Cleveland ruined the trajectory of his career um in terms of his mental perception of the game because now like you just said Jordan it's kind of like well I already have a chip like I so I'm yeah, just collecting I, a check I agree I agree all the way with that yeah. all the way Oh, okay. Well, we did it. We just talked about, let me count this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven, twelve trades in like an hour. Well, more than an hour, but it's fine. Woo! Okay. We did it. We did it. What a a day. What a week. (laughs) Man, I mean, it's a wide open race this year in some ways, especially in the East. I don't know about the West because Phoenix, man. Phoenix is job right now, guys. Golden State too, man. It's got to be yeah, those too. two. Oh, it's just and and you want to know what's so funny about the West, man? I just laugh every time I see a notification about the Lakers pop up on my phone. <laughs> it's just. Bro, a, it's did you just see a, that? Uh, uh Cameron Payne. That Cameron Payne was like, "Hey, bro, they're the worst team in the West." He got on Twitter on like a Twitter <laughs> thing and said that, like, "No, yeah. oh damn. yeah." <laughs> Yo, he a clown, bro. But dude, they suck. How do you lose, bro? How do you lose to Portland? Yeah, with after the all that they've been through, after all the people they got rid of, <laughs> with LeBron and AD playing, bro. I don't care about LeBron's numbers. Can't be let off the hook for this nonsense. There is no good reason that you lose to Portland with Anthony Simons as the premier player. With LeBron and AD, what are we doing? What? Don't, sleep on, don't sleep on Anthony, though. That hey, bro, he a bucket. Ooh. He's yes, a bucket, sir. but guys, come on. Like, what yeah. are we doing? The bit that came out today that uh, they were offered John Wall 
from the Rockets in exchange for Russ, <laughs> and that uh, the Lakers uh, denied it because of a pick. It was like, bruh, like, what are you doing? Like, Russ came out and said some stuff about Vogel after the game the other night against Milwaukee that basically was like, okay, like, this has gotten too toxic and it's not it's the best. So. It's uh, not. Well, it's guy. not a good team, and I don't think Vogel is a good coach. So he's bro, an okay coach, up. but uh, I blame him. Okay, coach isn't gonna win a chip. <clears throat> he already won one, though, bro. Bro, 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 bro. Take the focus on Vogel. I blame LeBron for this whole situation. This roster is trash, trash, guys. And who was the orchestrator of this nonsense? LeBron. We were literally sitting in the offseason like, what are they building a retirement home in L.A.? What is this, guys? This would have been a great team 10 years ago with Carmelo Anthony back It would have been the all-star team 10 years ago. The all-star team 10 years ago. Got a 38-year-old Carmelo Anthony. Russell Westbrook, who's on the downswing, can't shoot a lick. They had a chance to get Buddy Heald to add on to this. DeMar DeRozan. And DeMar. What are we doing? <laughs> literally, literally, this is why. This is why, and, and they were talking about this on on the ESPN on ESPN today. This is why players should not be allowed to have such influence over trades. Why? Because they focus they they focus the trade on the relationships instead of what makes most basketball sense. What makes most basketball sense is you get Demar's butt up in there, who's having an MVP season, and instead of being in the playing game, you're in the top three seeds. So what are we doing, guys? Like, just messing up. LeBron has to be held accountable for this. This is nonsense. This roster sucks, and he has to be held accountable for that. The only nonsense. guy on the Lakers that has been pretty solid, and I did not expect this from him, but shout-outs to him, our boy Malik Monk, baby. Yes, sir. Oh, He's yeah. added a lot, yeah. lot of value. Yeah, he's been a bucket for yeah, sure. For sure. JT, do you have something else to say? Um... <laughs> I was just going to say about DeMar DeRozan, um, that was, I remember when everybody was saying that was the worst signing of the offseason was DeMar coming (laughs) to Chicago. And I'd like everybody to just eat those words because he was having an incredible season and leading the Bulls, just leading them, just... I have the utmost respect. I had respect for him in Toronto, but... What a guy. Yeah. What a guy. I love him. I love him so much. He's he's a good dude, too. He really is. Yes. Okay. Man, that was a lot. We just covered a lot in an hour, hour and a half. So, fellas, I appreciate y'all doing this with me. Very last-minute emergency style. Uh, This was super fun. This is the end of this episode. Y'all stay on after I get done with this. I'm going to edit this out. Um. Listeners, thanks for being here. If you like what you heard, please feel free to share this podcast with your friends. Leave a nice little review wherever you listen to your podcast, so Spotify or Apple Music or Google or whatever. Follow the Instagram at Dennis for Friends Pod. If you want to email me, uh, Dennis for Pod at gmail.com. These guys have social media, and I'll put it in the show notes like I did last episode. But they have, they definitely have Instagram, both of them. And Jordan has Twitter. I don't know if JT has Twitter. And if he does, then I don't know about it unless he's going to tell me now. So I'll put the, those on the social me- on the show notes and all that so y'all can follow them. So 
Come back next time for more conversations with people I love and respect. These guys will be back soon too, by the way. Like, this is not the only time they'll ever be on this podcast. We could talk about so many different things. We could talk more hoop. We could talk about shoes. We could talk about um, racial stuff. We could talk about social, like society issues. JT's a studying history in school right now. We could talk about Jordan being out here in these streets. Uh, like he said the other day, we could talk about his workout regimes. We could talk about the trip that we we're going to take in May together. Yeah. I'm sure, all the all the different things. So these guys will be back, and they're they're always a joy to to be around. And I think you guys will like um, hearing them on episodes. So anyway, these guys are awesome listeners. Thanks for being here. Until next time, be good, do good. Peace out. Yeah.